0: Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Orion has a suggested reading list that includes a variety of books written to help you succeed in your military to civilian career transition. Topics include transition, interview prep, leadership and management, manufacturing and engineering, and sales. In our many years of experience, we found that reading professional books can greatly enhance your knowledge of corporate America and make you more comfortable when it comes time to interview. In today's episode, I'm joined by Ted Studdard, a retired Marine colonel, speaker, and author of the new book, Depot to Depot. Since retiring from the military, Ted has climbed the ranks of leadership at the Home Depot, has been a keynote speaker at corporate conferences, leadership summits, and special events, and recently published his first book depot to depot is a fast-paced series of interwoven leadership stories that follow Ted's global journey from private to colonel and his current role as the leader in the Home Depot. He shares leadership lessons applicable to both corporate executives and the newly hired managers. To learn more about Ted and access the resources on his website, visit tedstuttered.com. In addition to Depot to Depot, there is also a free military transition workbook called Take Time to Think that is available for download on Ted's website. The free workbook helps you answer important questions during the transition process, such as what do I truly want in my career? What is my family situation and how will they be affected? And are my finances under control? If you have any questions about this interview or topics for future podcasts, please send me an email at podcast at Hi,
1: Ted. Welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today.
0: Thank you. I am so looking forward
2: to it.
1: Yes, I am too. And I know just a little bit about your background based on your website and previous correspondence, but you have a really great story to share. So I want to give you the opportunity to do that in your own words. So that being said, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background, your education and military career?
2: Absolutely. You know, I, I always wanted to be a Marine. I grew up in a small town, Commerce, Georgia, and my dad and my uncle were both Marines. In fact, my uncle fought in World War II. He fought in Guadalcanal, Pele, and New Jima, which are, you know, for Marines, very iconic battles. And my dad served between Korea and Vietnam. And of course, they were both well out of the Marine Corps before I was born. And they did their initial enlistment and they got out, like most most guys who are in any of the services do. And I knew, though, that there was something special about being a Marine. And I could tell in the pride that they had about being a Marine. They didn't talk about war stories or anything like that. They were just proud to be a Marine. And so when I had the opportunity, I skipped, uh, skipped a day of school. when I was in high school, and I went down to the local recruiting office. I signed up, and uh, I went to boot camp at Parris Island. Um, the Recruit Depot, hence the name of the book, Depot to Depot. Um, and I just found that I absolutely loved being a Marine. And initially, I was, I was going to get in the reserves and go to the University of Georgia and do, you know, the Marine thing on the weekend while I was a college student, and then get out and I joined the family insurance business, but I just really enjoyed the Marine piece. And when I got back to Georgia, my first week of school, I saw this Marine officer walking across campus. And that was, you know, you don't have any Marines or any Marine bases near the University of Georgia. And I went up to him and introduced interviewed myself, and one thing led to another, and he asked me, would you like to be an officer? And at that time, I was a private first class, so that was a pretty easy decision, (laughs) of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so one led to another, and he asked me if I wanted to go to Officer Candidate School, and I applied, and uh, you know, before long, I was accepted, and uh, one thing led to another, and I got commissioned as a Marine officer when I graduated from the University of Georgia, and uh, I spent the next 25 years as a Marine, Um, started as a as a private, and I retired as a colonel, and. Just had an opportunity to do some things I never in a million years thought I would get to do. But perhaps most importantly, I got to serve with some just absolutely phenomenal Marines and soldiers, sailors, and airmen around the world. Just, uh, mm-hmm. just bring some
1: them- Well, it sounds like you really enjoyed your military experience, and so, you know, it sounds like, you know, serving was one of the biggest things that stands out to you and one of the things you're talking about. What would you say was the most rewarding thing about your time in the military? You
2: know, that's I I get asked that a lot, and it's really hard to sum, you know, just one thing up, but I think if you took the essence of being part of an organization that was truly focused on something bigger than itself, and the people of that organization are also focused outward, not inward. They're focused on something bigger. To be part of a team like that is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and is absolutely very special. And as I grew and I and grew in rank and had the opportunity to serve uh, in different locations and, and serve with the different services, I saw the same not just with Marines, but soldiers, sailors, and airmen, and many of our allies. And so if you ask Mm -hmm. me what it was, it's serving as part of the team and, and being part of something bigger than yourself. It's just absolutely priceless.
1: And I think that's what makes it a lot. It makes it hard for a lot of service members to leave the service and pursue a civilian career is that they, you know, they feel like they'll be missing that or if they do transition and they started a, a job within the civilian world, they do feel like they miss that. So I want to talk a little bit about your military transition and, you know, some of the challenges you face. Is that something that you felt like you were facing as a challenge when you got out? It's just the idea of, I'm never going to find anything that's as fulfilling as what I did in the military. You
2: know, uh, yes, in short. And I think a lot of, a lot of our service members feel that way. And I think it's hard to replace that voice. Uh, And the longer you're in, I think perhaps the more difficult it is to replace it because that's who you are. And you're used to working with people in that type of environment, but it absolutely can be done. And uh, You know, I talk to guys literally every week who are exiting the the different services. And those that are successful and make this transition easily are adaptable. And realize that uh, just because it's different in the civilian community, it doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. It's just different. And as we transition out of the service, I think we have to realize that and be adaptable to a new environment.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. So were there any other challenges that you faced when you were coming out of the service? And then also, I know that I think you had a story or two that you wanted to share about that. And then also how you ended up at Home Depot.
2: Oh, you know, absolutely. In fact, it's, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, now, it wasn't quite so funny at the time, but I, I came back to Afghanistan and a couple of years and I was in command and uh, our command was going great. And I'd been called to Washington, D.C., uh, to sit on a promotion board. And my wife, Melissa, was taking me to the airport, and it was on a Saturday morning. And as many of your listeners know, these boards are like being sequestered in a courtroom. You're there for several weeks, and uh, basically, you, you go to work early in the morning, you go through the promotion process for 14, 15, 16 hours a day, and then you repeat it the next day, and you do this until it's complete. So it's a very laborious um, type type environment, and everybody's in close quarters working together as you go through this. So as we're going to the airport, I wasn't feeling so well, and Melissa looked at me. She said, you know, really, I'll just drop you off and get checked out at the doctor before you get on the airplane. You're going to be gone for a month, and you certainly don't want to make everybody else sick. And of course, typical answer, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And we go back and forth for about 10 minutes as he's driving me, you know, from Fort Worth to the airport uh, in Dallas. And all of a sudden she says, nope, I think we need to stop. And she just whips off the interstate like she's a NASCAR driver. <laughs> and, and the ER, and I'm thinking, oh, this is great. But, you know, I, but I think, hey, I've got an out here. You know, it's Friday, uh, Saturday morning in Fort Worth. And you think about all the Cowboys that probably need to be stitched up on Friday morning or Saturday morning after a fun Friday night. And I'm thinking, I've got an it out. It's going to be a room full of people in the ER, and I'll go in, too crowded, I'll be able to leave. Well, I go in, and there is nobody in there, not a soul. I'm thinking, <laughs> my goodness, you know, never in a million years would this happen. And then, like any other Marine, I had another idea. Like, you know, this can be okay. Perhaps they'll see me quickly, and I can still make my plane. Well, they did. They triaged me, took me back to the room. And as we're sitting in the room and I'm looking at my watch thinking, certainly I'll be able to get out of here and make my plane. Dr. Burst then literally pushes Melissa out of the way and nurses come in. And I must have had this, you know, dumbfounded look on my face. And he said, you're having a heart attack. And I thought to myself, you've got to be kidding me. You know, and and through my mind, everything slows down. And I'm thinking there's some old guy that's in the room next door that's having a heart attack. He needs this team, not me. Well, as you can imagine, I'm also thinking, hey, I'm a Marine. I'm never going to have a heart attack. There are a lot of things Mm -hmm. that can happen if a heart attack is not on that list. Well, sure enough, I'd had a heart attack. And so I was in the hospital for a few days, and, you know, you go through all the procedures, you're you're poked, you're prided, you're violated in every sort of imaginable way, and they let me go. And I went back to my office and I realized that, um, you know, my successor had already been named and I was getting ready to, you know, start working on my next set of orders, which was probably back to Afghanistan and exactly where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And I knew at that point that that was not going to happen. And I didn't know if I would be allowed to stay in the Marine Corps or not, but I knew if I was that I would probably be relegated to a desk job. And I just, I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be some fat old colonel behind a desk. And so mm-hmm. the decision pretty easy. It's time to retire. Uh, and I'd had a wonderful career. I, I never anticipated such a career. And so that wasn't so hard. But emotionally trying to think that now I've got to do this, that uh, was a little difficult. But here's the lesson learned. I didn't have a backup plan. I had never really thought or planned for retirement, and so here I am, know that I'm retiring and leaving the Marine Corps in six months, and I was very ill prepared. And so, if I could share a lesson, or, or certainly a lesson for me, is don't wait till you have a heart attack to have a backup plan. You need to think about what is along the way, and I had absolutely not.
1: Well, and that's, I mean, that is a big life stressor. You've got your transition and then on top of that, having a heart attack. And of course, the last thing you need is stress piling on stress when you're in that situation. So I'm sure that that was very difficult for you.
2: You know, it was, um, it it was, it was really interesting, I guess, to look at it just from a human perspective, you know, (laughs) Um, I would wake up at night, Melissa's sticking her finger under my nose to see if I'm still breathing, you know, and. The kids are poking me like that. Are you okay? And, you know, it's kind of funny now, but at the time, you know, that is a, a literally a life-changing event. And mm-hmm. shame on me for not being prepared. You know, as Marines and, and really as service members, we always talk about having a backup plan. And at the tactical level, you call it a primary position, an alternate position, or a supplemental position. And at the higher levels, when you're looking at the strategic level, you talk about branches and sequels, but they're always a backup plan. But I never had a backup plan if things went south in the Marine Corps or something happened. And you know what's funny? I talked to professional athletes about the same thing. You never know when that knee's going to blow out. You never know when something is going to happen. And uh, you need to give it some thought from time to time. It doesn't mean you're you're going to exit the service tomorrow, but you know, a little introspective thought from time to time would be very beneficial. And I wish I had done that myself.
1: I mean, I think that that's great advice. They always say hindsight's twenty twenty, And I think that with a lot of the candidates that I talk to typically on this podcast, when I ask what they wish that they had known prior to transitioning, I think the recurring theme is always, I wish I had started earlier. I wish I had explored my options a little bit more. So I think what you're saying is, very relatable to a lot of the people that are listening.
2: Yeah. You know, and it's funny, we don't really, we never take the time to think and uh, just a few minutes here and there to have a discussion with your spouse, with your kids, uh, it can really help you down the road.
1: Mhm. You get an autopilot and then next thing you know, you're having a heart attack and you haven't thought it through. So I, I definitely agree with you there and I appreciate you sharing that too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's certainly a lesson learned and I, I wish I had not have learned that lesson, but I did.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, that's always how it goes. Well, so, you know, you said you didn't have a backup plan. So then how did you end up at Home Depot? Because I know you've been there for a while and you've had a very impressive career progression there. So I want to talk a little bit about that, just how you joined the company and then the type of career progression you've seen since joining.
2: Yeah, absolutely you know, I've I've got to give a plug for a group called American Corporate Partners. And I had one of my Marines when I took over my last command, who was retiring. And he stopped by my office one day. He said, sir, I just joined this organization. I have a mentor. And as we started talking about it, um, I thought, wow, what a great thing. And that organization was American Corporate Partners, or ACP. And he had signed up with a for a mentor with American corporate partners. And what this was, was a a year long pairing with a corporate leader and a corporate leader, you know, akin to what you had done in the service. So you could relate. And he was telling me about what this, uh, this mentor was doing in this year long mentorship program that they had embarked on together. And so when it was time to retire, I joined American Corporate Partners and got a mentor. Of course, it's all free. And I had a mentor in Texas who was absolutely phenomenal, B.J. Abair. But as Melissa and I started talking, uh, we realized that, uh, you know, we we were in Texas, but we thought we should really explore um, our home, which is in Georgia. We'd never lived in Georgia since we were, really, since we were married and joined the Marine Corps. And so, American Corporate Partners suggested that we get a mentor to help network and really learn the lay of the land back in Georgia. So, they transferred me to a new mentor. And about this same time, I had a job interview, and I'd never had a job interview before. And I asked him if he would help me out. His name was Todd Chapman, and he invited me to Atlanta to do some interview prep. And as we were doing the interview prep in a Home Depot store, I noticed. Uh, I had the, the energy and the enthusiasm with the associates in the store. And then as we were doing the interview prep, Tide had to get up and take a phone call. And I noticed the Home Depot values were pasted on the wall. They were painted on the wall, this huge circle. And I started looking at these values, doing the right thing, taking care of people and the entrepreneurial spirit. And it struck me that these were values that I was akin to or accustomed to in the Marine Corps uh, honor courage and commitment, but it was in a civilianized version and to that point, I really didn't consider values in corporate America. I never thought I would see that, and then right next to it was an inverted pyramid with the the c e o on the bottom and everybody else you know stacked on top of that with the uh, frontline associates and our customers at the very top. And all that was, was our Marine Corps leadership model, Leaders Eat Last, put in a, a civilian graphic. And it dawned on me at that point that I really needed to think about values when I was doing this job search. And to make a long story short, I started thinking about the Home Depot values and how that uh, really was the close parallel to the values I lived as a Marine. And as Todd and I started talking, he asked me, said you ever thought about Home Depot? And I told him no. Uh, I ended up turning down the job that, that I was interviewing for. It just wasn't the right fit. And the more and more Todd and I talked, I realized that I was focusing on the wrong thing. And I needed to focus on values and that type of thing for my second career. And ultimately, that's how I made the decision to go with Home Depot because of their values and the leadership that I saw uh, in the in the associates in the store and what I have talked from all the leaders I talked to. And I like to share that with people. We so often look at what does that paycheck look like or, you know, what is that job title or that role that we often overlook really the intangible that's going to keep you there over the long haul. And that's the values of the company.
1: Mhm. I think that's a great point and you know I think a lot of companies they all think that they've got these values and this culture that's going to draw employees and job seekers to them but that's not always the case. And so it's great that a company like Home Depot puts that out in the forefront and you're able to see that type of mentality and that it aligns so well with your military background and the things that you desired coming out of the military in terms of being able to find a similar a similar culture and structure and things like that. So I think that's great. And I also appreciate that you shared that about American Corporate Partners. I've actually had the opportunity to interview a mentor on this show before, and it sounds like a really great resource.
2: You know, it's a fantastic resource. And, you know, to have somebody in your corner, but is that is looking at your, your opportunity from a different perspective, to me is absolutely invaluable. I learned so much through my two mentors, through BJ and and Todd, um, it really got me started off in the right direction. And I don't know which way I would have gone without them, but they were absolutely instrumental to, you know, to any future success that I've had afterwards.
1: Yeah, I think that's wonderful. So the reason that we originally connected and what got you on the podcast today was to talk about an exciting project that you're currently promoting. And so I want to talk a little bit more about your book, Depot to Depot. So first of all, how did you decide to write the book?
2: You know, it's it's funny. I was in a, um, a um, event for uh, veterans and professional athletes to talk about leadership and transition in Kansas City. And I was a speaker and I I was talking a little bit about transition and, and, you know, professional athletes go through the same thing that service members do. It's it's funny how closely related that is. And as I was talking to this collective group about uh, transition and transformation, uh, as I finished up, one of the guys came up and asked me if I was writing a book and I told him no. And he said, you really ought to capture this. And I'd always wanted to write a book. and I'd always wanted to write a leadership book. And I never in a million years thought I'd write a, a book about transition and transformation. Uh, but I realized that I really had the basis of an outline and a book uh, from this talk. And so I started on this process. It took about two years working weekends and uh, getting up at 4.30 in the morning, writing a little bit before I would come into work and uh, it comes to fruition or, um, on the 10th of October. So I am really excited about Depot to Depot. And it, it, it kind of follows that career that started out at the Marine Corps Recruit Depot at Paris Island. It goes through the Marine Corps and now to my second career at the Home Depot.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that struck me when I was reading about the book online and then even what you've been saying here now is the idea of transformation. Because we talk a lot about transition, we use that word all the time. But the element of transformation is something that goes hand in hand with it. And on your website it says, just a brief description of the book, that it provides a great illustration of the transformation that veterans must make as they begin their personal journey from the service back into civilian life. So I wanted to, from your perspective, talk a little bit more about what that transformation looks like, and then see if you could just give us really a mission statement or overall takeaway that you'd want readers to be able to gain from reading your book?
2: Okay. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about transformation first. And I think if you talk about transformation, you really have to look at transition because people oftentimes talk about transition as, as you highlighted. And I think we're missing the boat. I was teaching leadership at Home Depot University and I was here one Saturday Uh, It was raining, cold outside, and I was doing some rehearsals. And ironically, I was teaching a class on transitioning to a new group of Home Depot leaders. And as I was practicing, I took a pause and I was looking out of the window uh, over the skyline of Atlanta. And it just dawned on me that we're in in a state of transition really every day. Think about, you know, we physically are in a state of transition. We start as babies and we transition physically all the way through adulthood into old age. And, you know, that transition happens every day. We transition professionally. Most of us start out doing chores at home and then we get part-time jobs, full-time jobs, and then careers. So, and and we're always going professionally. So, that's a transition that happens really every day. And then personally, you know, you think of all the people that go in and out of your life, you know, so we're in a a state of transitioning through relationships every day. So transition really happens frequently, but transformation, I think, is a period of intense change and intense growth. And when we talk about transition uh, or transformation, you know, we all went through it, all of those who were service members, you know, we did this as, as young people going into our respective services, you know, whether it be soldier, sailor, airman, or marine, we all did this together as a group. Uh, and we had a group that was helping us, our drill instructors, those friendly HR representatives that each service had, and they politely guided us through this uh, transformation process. But it continued on with our following schools and our first unit. People understood what we were going through, and they helped us in this intense period of change and growth but on the back side when we exit the service we often do that alone and I think we're so used to doing things as part of an organization and as part of a team now going through this this really unique change in our lives many of us do that alone and if you don't realize that other people are going through that or if you don't have a good network, it can be a very challenging time. And so, depot to depot is is written to help that audience understand what that transition and ultimately ending in that transformation may look like, and to help people understand what is, you know, what is next as they uh, move out of the service back into the civilian community.
1: Mm-hmm. And one thing that I'm thinking while you're saying all of this, and I'm going to try to put this concisely because I'm kind of just thinking out loud here, but the idea of transition and transformation, it's almost like, you know, a transition, that's something that That really can happen whether you're actively or passively participating. You know, it's just the idea of change that can happen to you inevitably through life. Like you said, you came up with all these different examples of how you're constantly in transition. Sometimes it's because of something you can control. Sometimes it's because of something you can't. But with the idea of transformation, that's something that you do have to actively participate in. You cannot transform and grow unless you're actively doing something about that and making steps toward that.
2: No, you know you're absolutely right, and you know when we go through this period of transformation, I think we have to have our eyes open, and I I think we are oftentimes ill prepared for this because, you know, we go back to that story about having a heart attack. We just don't think and plan very well, and we have all these things that hit us at one time, and we're just we're just sometimes ill prepared for this transformation that has to take place uh in Mm -hmm. order to have a successful life after the service
1: definitely well you know barring any kind of heart attacks because unfortunately that was your experience with your military transition but what are some of the other challenges that um transitioning service members face today
2: you know thank you for asking that in fact I've literally just written a book about that, or it's a free workbook. It's called Take Time to Think. And you can get that on my website at tedstutter.com, and it's absolutely free. And the way this came from is I have conversations literally every week with veterans who are going through this transition, ultimately transformation out of the service. And I realized that we were having very similar conversations week after week after week. And there's some basic things that uh, we need to think about. And one of those things, I think, is first we have to set our foundation. And when you think about that foundation, uh, you think about your family, your values, and your finances. And you really need to think this through how well you're suited uh, to look for a job. How long can you go without a job? um, What are your values? What are those things that are important, not only to you, but to your family and you know what what are your family needs and and to this point we've really been told what to do and where to go and now you know we have an opportunity to really focus on our family and are there any special needs or any special wants, desires, etc. that they have that we can now address. But after you get that foundation, you consider what that is, several things Thing to always come back up, and the first, and the, and these are in no no specific order, is location. You know where do you want to live, um, or where don't you want to live? What kind of role do you want to have? Some guys are so focused on being at a certain level. You know, I want to be a vice president or a director, or you know, you can fill in the blank. That they overlook a lot of opportunities. But if role is most important, then you need to put that as a priority in your job search. Um, you need to consider the company and the industry that you want to go, go to, and then I think, what level of, of commitment do you and your family want to have in the second career? And it's interesting. I talk to guys that are at both ends of the spectrum. Some folks just want to get out of the service and say, say, you know, I just want to kick back and enjoy retirement. And do I want to do something to stay active? But I just want to stay active. And then some guys get out of service and they absolutely want to, um, they just want to have another blazing career and they're ready to get after it. And I think that's a consideration you have to have. And growth goes along with that. If you want to grow, you need to look at what that uh, that next step might be in, in industry that you're looking at.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that those are all great. Definitely great challenge to summarize because I do think that a lot of times when military members are transitioning out of the service, they have specific things that they're worried about happening, but they're not even looking at the big picture of things. And so I think that's a good snapshot that you just provided.
2: Yeah. And, you know, if you think about these things before you start your resume, really before you start your job search, that really gives you a left and right lateral limit and narrows down you know, that search area, and then we can go more in depth and be a little bit more precise and ultimately more successful with it. And it takes Mm -hmm. a lot of stress.
1: It does. And ultimately, once you kind of do that homework and that research on yourself and figure out what are my key motivators, it just is going to help you in terms of, you know, the career that you decide to begin. Well, if you pick up your family and move and you decide to start a career at you know, a specific company that maybe ends up not being the right fit that potentially you could have weeded it out had you thought about some of the things that you just mentioned ahead of time, then you save yourself the hassle of having to move your family out there for an opportunity that doesn't work. And, hey, now you're stuck in this place. And now you need to find another job in this city. And maybe it wasn't the best move for you to begin with.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's what this little workbook is designed to do is to help Really, the family sit down and have a conversation and and to put things in priority. And it's funny. You think about our service members. What a talented group of people. And being so talented, being uh, so well-trained in so many different things, you really have an open book. You can go anywhere and do anything. And if you can start to scope that down a little bit, it can make that process a whole lot easier and I think it can make Mm -hmm. you a little bit more successful as you go through it.
1: Yes, definitely. So going back to the book, Depot to Depot, you also address um, business leaders and HR partners in this book about the value that veterans bring to the civilian workforce. So, you know, we talked about some of the challenges for veterans, but on the flip side of that, what are some of the unique values that veterans bring to corporate America? And, you know, do you think that those values are recognized by employers?
2: You know, that's a great question. Um, I, I think there are a couple of obvious things with veterans. You think about teamwork and being part of the team, and you think about diversity, not only diversity of thought, but diversity of people and ideas that you have worked with, not only in your respective service, but literally as we have all deployed around the globe, we understand how to take a very diverse group of people and achieve a common goal. I think that's something that that a lot of people in corporate America do realize and do appreciate, but I think we often overlook the the value of thinking and thinking through a problem set, developing a on that plan, and the ability to make decisions in absence of a perfectly laid out um, scenario when you don't have all the answers. And business is no different than combat. You're never going to have all the answers. But sometimes you just have to make a decision and do something. And I think through the crucible that our service members have been through, they are so ready and so adapted, adept in this environment that uh, they just absolutely, absolutely do wonderful things when given the opportunity. Um unfortunately, I don't think we do a good job in selling ourselves, especially the intangibles like that.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of companies, they do want to hire veterans and, you know, maybe it's because they think it's the right thing to do, or potentially it could be because they recognize those values. I mean, from your perspective, I guess, really even just working at Home Depot, do you think that those values are recognized, or do you think there's still a lot of the um, hiring veterans because it's the right thing versus knowing that they actually do have those skills? I guess what I'm getting to is a lot of times people look at a resume and say they don't have the exact qualifications that I'm looking for.
2: You know, that, that is a interesting point. And let me give you a little background to capture or to give some context to this answer. Uh, I've also served for four years on our board of directors for the military appreciation group for Home Depot. And through that, I've had the opportunity to work with uh, a number of Fortune 50 companies across America and talk to other veterans and other hiring directors and and people in leadership positions um, in all of these large corporations that have a variety of, of different missions that they do. But I see some common denominators, and we so often go by perceptions. And so many people have not served, and they only have a perception on, you know, what they've seen in the movie or what they were told by a friend, a neighbor, or a relative who did serve. And I'll give you a, an illustration. I was on my way to speak to the Student Veterans of America at their annual convention here a couple of years ago, and on my way out, I had somebody. Reach up and say, Ted, please make sure these young people understand. In corporate America, they have to think, and it just blew me away. I realized that, (laughs) yeah, I realized that there was no ill will or no ill intent in that uh, in that statement. The lady that was, you know, made the statement to me really thought she was trying to be helpful, but it really illustrated to me that she did not understand the crucible uh, that our young people who are veterans have been through and the enormous responsibility and decision-making that they have had and how that could be leveraged into so many different aspects of corporate America. So I think we need to continue to beat the drum and let people know what a great resource our veteran is and what a deep pool of talent we have, and if we can take the time to do a little training, a little investment in training up front, these guys are going to lay out those intangibles uh, with leadership. They're going to lay out these intangibles on decision-making and planning and execution, and they are going to just rock it to the moon because it's all there. We just need to beat the drums a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. and I appreciate you sharing that story because that's exactly what I was getting at. I think that there still is the misconception whether people admit it or not now this woman did did say it to you like you said you don't think there was any ill intent behind her statement, but I think that that is a common misconception that you know people in the military when they transition into a civilian role all they're going to do is either bark orders or do exactly what they're told and not think outside the box when really we know that's the complete opposite of how it actually is.
2: You know, that is so funny you say that. Uh, an analogy I like to use is is people think you're either going to be Forrest Gump or some crazy drill instructor.
1: Mm-hmm. And neither, exactly.
2: Neither, neither of which is true, but that is their perception. And I, I, I think it's somewhat unfortunate, but, you know, with what you're doing and uh you see a a energy in corporate America to bring on veterans and a lot of these bigger companies and corporations are starting to hire a group just to focus on veterans and help with veteran integration into their companies. And I really think we're headed in the right direction. I think our our best days are really in front of us. And you think about what these these uh veterans our, our guys and gals in uniform have done um and what they can do and help our economy which undergirds everything that we do as a country It's a tremendous mm-hmm. resource.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, Ted, I think your book sounds fantastic and you've shared a lot of great insight now, but when will the book be available for anyone who's listening and wants to purchase it?
2: Well, the book the book is published on the 10th of October. So,
1: okay, perfect.
2: Uh, when your listeners are, are listening to us on the, uh, on the podcast, the book will be out. Uh, you can, of course, order it through Amazon. Just type in Ted Stuttered or Depot to Depot. But I would absolutely prefer you going to my website at TedStuttered.com, and you can also order it there. Uh, and the same for Take Time to Think, uh, you can order your free copy on my website, TedStuttered.com as well um and one thing all funds every every proceed that i get from this is going to help veterans in transition or veterans uh professional military education through american corporate partners through higher heroes usa and through the marine corps university foundation all my proceeds are going to help these guys so um you know your your money's going to a great cause
1: Yeah, I think that's awesome. It sounds like you do a lot to give back, and I'm sure that our listeners will appreciate that as well.
2: Well, you know, every one of us is here because somebody helped us get here, and none of us would be successful on our own. And I think uh, of all, all groups of people, I think our veteran community absolutely understands that, and I think our veteran community pays it forward in spades every day
1: hmm. Definitely. So, Ted, now that you've been on both sides, you've been in the military, you've been in corporate America. What is one of the most valuable lessons that you've learned about corporate America since leaving the military that you think would help our listeners?
2: So often I talk to veterans who are in their first year out of the service, and a lot of times these guys are frustrated, saying, you know, it's different. I'm, I, it's not like it was in the service. Well, no joke. It's it's different. It's not the service. Um, but different doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just different. And remember back when we all joined our respective service, we had to learn the culture and we had to learn how to fit in and be part of that team. Well, it's no different when you join corporate America and you think about all these businesses. They were successful before we joined. And so instead of trying to force this new business to our way of thinking, if we could just stop, listen, observe and learn and understand a little bit more about the culture and the way forward, because they they were successful before we joined and they will be successful long after we have gone. If we can just take that pause and realize different is okay. I think we'll have great careers across the board. Sometimes we're getting a little bit of a rush and we're a little bit impatient. But, uh, you know, just taking the time to think, taking that pause can pay huge rewards.
1: Mm-hmm. That's wonderful advice. So, you know, in addition, like I said, you've, you've got your books, you've had a variety of um, coverage through the press, and you've done other podcasts and things like that. So how can our listeners connect with you or listen to any other podcasts that you've participated in?
2: Oh, gosh, thank you. Well, you can, of course, go to my website, tedstutter.com. We've got some uh, previous podcasts and things like that that are posted there. Um, or you can go into any of the social media sites at Ted Stutterd. I would love to have you uh, link in with me. And uh, if there's anything I can do, you can always contact me. And I would uh, love to have a conversation and see if I can help you.
1: That's great. Well, Ted, do you have any closing thoughts or advice that you want to leave our listeners with?
2: Uh, I'll leave you with three things. One, have a backup plan. Don't wait until you have a heart attack to think about your backup plan. Uh, The second thing is really as you make this transition out of the service and you begin this transformation period, consider your values and take the time to think about what those values are. And the third, as you take a step into corporate America or whatever role you go into next, you might have to take a step back in responsibility. But I promise you that step back in responsibility can lead to a great leap forward because you've got the intangibles to be successful. And as soon as you take that first step, doors are going to open and success will follow rapidly.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond. So make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.